Praise God. There's nothing like being in God's presence. And when anointed people lead you into the presence of God, oh man, it's such a a rich atmosphere and you can hear from God and receive from the Lord that which the Lord has for you. How many are going to hear what the Lord has for you tonight? I'm saying, God, whatever you got for me, my ears are open to you and I'm going to listen to you. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, the Lord, he is good. If you have your Bible, go to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 5, 2 Samuel chapter 5. I'm going to give away my, my I'm going to give you my title right away. The title of this message tonight is don't get roped by the okie doke. Come on, help this New Jersey boy out. Help me with my title tonight. Look at somebody and tell them this. Don't get roped by the okie doke. Look at one more person and tell them, don't get roped by the okie doke. Say, what in the world is this man talking about tonight? I want to begin tonight with a short, very short, 13 second short video clip. It's of a group of friends. And I got this clip off of Facebook. They're all at somebody's house or apartment, a group of friends. And somehow uh, a guy and a girl wind up boxing. They're play boxing and they both got on boxing gloves. And uh, I want you to see what happens. Why would a guy be boxing a girl? I don't know, but he's boxing a girl. And so let's take a look. It's only 13 seconds. Two clocks in a goose for walk, it was purple. Different color bands in these different color purple. Don't tell me all too much. Stop it, don't Baby asking, wearing all them chains. Did you see that? It happened so fast. I'm going to show you one more time. It's 13 seconds. They're going to play it back one more time. <laughs> Watch that left cross. Goose for walk, it was purple. Different color bands in these different color purple. Don't tell me all too much. Stop it, don't Baby asking, wearing all them chains. Don't get roped. Tell, help me one more time. Don't get roped by the okie doke. Now, back in New Jersey, where I'm from, that's what we would call an old Jersey colloquial expression, the okie doke. And the okie doke meant when you were going to try to distract someone and then try and take advantage of them in some other way. So like if you're fighting or something, like if you, if you go like that to somebody and then you hit them with that hand, that's called the okie doke. And so, you know, a lot of times, like the title of that clip on Facebook, that caught my attention because it said, he got hit with the okie doke. That was the title of it, that she put the okie. Now, I, when I read that, I knew exactly what it was. When it said, he got hit with the okie doke, I said, oh, she sucker punched him. I said, I'm gonna that's how I got that clip, you know. But that's what we say in Jersey. Don't let, don't let somebody okie doke you. Don't, don't let them hit you with the okie doke. You know, they'll do this and then bam, you know, you're not even looking. They hit you with the okie doke. You say, preacher, what does that have to do with 2 Samuel chapter (laughs) 5? Because Satan often tries to put the okie doke on Christian believers. Satan often tries to hit you and I with a counterpunch that we are not suspecting. And he tries to put the okie doke. And tonight, the title of this message, don't get roped by the okie doke. The Bible says that Satan has tricks, he has schemes, he has tactics. We should not be ignorant of his devices. The Bible tells you and I to stay alert. But I want to make two quick points to you tonight. The first one is that Jesus has already snatched victory out of the jaws of defeat. How many know our Jesus is the champion? Jesus has never been defeated. Jesus snatched victory out of the jaws of defeat. And aren't you glad he gave you and I that victory? So in all of our remarks tonight, we would be remiss if we didn't start out 
uh, reminding everyone of, of, of what is uh, a, a undisputed fact that Jesus is the undefeated champion. And he has given the victory to you and I, and in Christ, we are undefeated champions. Glory be to God. How many glad, how many glad to be in Christ tonight? How many glad that the victory that Jesus won is also our victory? His victory is our victory. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And, and so, uh, so the Lord Jesus, he has, he has already uh, won the victory. Let's, let's read our, our, our key scripture tonight. 2 Samuel chapter 5. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and I'm going to begin uh, reading verses 17 through 25. I'm in 2 Samuel chapter 5. I'm in the New Living Translation. I'm about to read verses 17 through 25. Here we go. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king of Israel, they mobilized all their forces to capture him. But David was told they were coming. So he went into the stronghold. The Philistines arrived and spread out across the valley of Rephaim. And so David asked the Lord, should I go out and fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? And the Lord replied to David, yes, go ahead. I will certainly hand them over to you. Verse 20. So David went to Baal-perazim and defeated the Philistines there. The Lord uh, the Lord did it, David exclaimed. He burst through my enemies like a raging flood. So he named that place Baal Perazim, which means the Lord who burst through. Verse 21, the Philistines had abandoned their idols there, so David and his men confiscated them. Now look at verse 22. But after a while, everybody say after a while. The Philistines returned and again spread out across the valley of Rephaim. And again, David asked the Lord what to do. Quote, do not attack them straight on, the Lord replied. Instead, circle around behind and attack them near the poplar trees. And when you hear a sound like a miraculous feat in the tops of the poplar trees, be on the alert. That will be the signal that the Lord is moving ahead of you to strike down the Philistine army. Verse 25, and so David did what the Lord commanded and he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. Yeah, don't get roped by the okey-doke. In our story here in 2 Samuel, David has just become king. It's a very special time because... uh, the, 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 the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom had been divided and throughout part of Israel's history during that division because of their disobedience to God and so forth, um, the northern and southern kingdom had different, uh, they had different leaders, they had different kings. But God had promised to reunite the kingdom. And some years after David became king, God uh, did what he said and he honored his word and he reunited the northern and southern kingdom. And here it's such a thrilling time for King David because for the first time in a long time, Israel is united under one king. It's a great victory. It's a huge victory. It's a great day. And in the midst of David's celebration, the enemy finds out 
his, the enemy were the Philistines. They find out David's suddenly been anointed king of both kingdoms. And before he can really take reign of both kingdoms, they attack him and their plan is, we'll take him out now before he even gets started. And so in an evil plot, they move against him. And of course, we read the story, David slips into the stronghold and he starts listening to God and asking God, what should I do about these Philistines? Should I attack them? And God, of course, gives him the affirmative answer. Yes, attack them. And God, of course, gives them the victory. And they win. But then the scripture says sometime later, the Philistines come back. They regroup and come back. And the point of this message tonight is that Satan oftentimes does the same thing. In a spiritual way. He's, now listen, as I said, he's already a defeated foe. He's never ceased since Jesus whipped him. He's never ceased to be defeated. I said, he's a defeated foe. But, but he loves to slip up on the backside of Christians and hit them with the okie doke, a sucker punch. And sometimes while Christians are celebrating, sometimes even a great victory, sometimes they'll let their guard down. How many know what I'm talking about? Sometimes, see, it's not wise to ever take our armor off. I said, no matter what kind of victory you're walking in, keep your armor on. The Bible says, stay alert because there's a trickster out there. There's a schemer out there. And, and, the, and the Bible says, you know, we need to be aware of the wiles of the devil. And even though he's defeated, it doesn't mean he's not active. He, he's a defeated foe who is still active. And, and what Jesus told us to do was to enforce the authority that he had given us, was to enforce the victory that he had won for us, was to enforce everything that he's done for us through his word, through his promises. He told us to enforce every single victory that he has wrought for us. I said, amen. And, 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 and we do that through faith and we do that through his promises and we do that using the authority he's given us. But Satan, is, he is, he is, he's a defeated foe, but he's still active. So he lurks around in the shadows. He sneaks around in the darkness. And he's hoping, the Bible says, that, that, uh, that, that he walks around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. First Peter 5, 8, you know, the Bible says, stay alert, your enemy the devil, he walks around like a roaring lion seeking someone to defeat. He's a defeated foe. Now the roar is to try, he's hoping he can put fear in a believer. But, but Jesus already overcame him, so there's no room for fear. There's no place for fear. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight. Yeah. And so if we just stick with the book, everything's all right. I said, if we stick with the book, we walk in victory. I said, if we stick with the book, we stay in victory. I said, if we hear a lion roar and we stick with the book, we maintain the victory. I'm going to keep talking until y'all give me a bigger amen than that. If we'll stay with the word, we'll get the victory. <laughs> don't, uh, listen, don't get roped by the okie doke. And so he tries to sneak around hoping he can scare someone, hoping he can get a Christian to forfeit the victory that's already been won. And he'll sneak up on, on your blind side, and a lot of times he'll do it right after a great victory. Here, David's had a great victory. The northern and the southern kingdoms united. It's a time of celebration. And right in the middle of his celebration, here come the enemy. 
And that's why the Bible tells you and I to put on the full armor of God. The Bible tells you and I to stand firm against the wiles of the devil. And we're not to take a break where we lay the armor down. We're to keep the armor on day and night, night and day and day and night. And so many times during great victories, the enemy can slip up on your blind side if you take that armor off and hit you with a sucker punch. But he's still a defeated foe. And so don't let him hit you with the okie doke. And our little uh, clip there, the girl, you know, she, he threw a couple punches at her and she's like, oh, you know, she's a little girly about it. Oh, you know, oh. Then she hit him with that right cross, the left cross. He goes, pow, she hit him with that left cross. <laughs> he went straight down, up, going down, bam. <laughs> he wasn't ready for that. But God wants you and I to stay alert. The Bible says stay alert, stay prepared, stay on ready. There's an enemy out there. And just because he's defeated doesn't mean he's not active. And here David had the good wherewithal to check in with the Lord. What shall I do? Now the enemies come back. They attacked me during my victory. And God told him what to do, told him how to handle it. Now the enemies come back. Oh, but how many know God is the great strategist. God always has a plan for your victory. It doesn't matter what you're going through tonight. God's got a plan for your victory. I wish I had a bigger amen. I wish I had somebody who believes God's got a plan for their victory tonight. I said, it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter how bleak it looks. It doesn't matter how the odds may be stacked against you. You are on the Lord's side. And if you're on the Lord's side, he's got a plan for your victory. I said, God's got a blueprint for the victory. It didn't concern God that the Philistines had gathered together against David. God just wanted David to listen and yield himself. It didn't concern God that the Philistines gathered again to attack David. God just wanted David to listen and yield himself. And when David did what God told him to do, he maintained the victory. Don't let the enemy slip up on your blind side. And especially, you know, you're having a great victory over something. Something's going well. Praise God. Rejoice. Give him the glory. You ought to do that. I said, don't shorten your celebration. You ought to do that. Just keep a two-edged sword in your hand and in your heart and in your mouth. I said, amen. And if old Slewfoot show up, then cut him to pieces with that sword. Amen. Go with me to 1 Kings. 1 Kings, if you will. 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. Don't get roped by the okey-doke. So often in Scripture, we read where Satan tries to okey-doke somebody. He's hoping to get them distracted. He's hoping to catch them off guard. He's hoping to catch them where they're not prayed up. He's hoping to catch them where they, they feel like they don't need the word. They, some, people, some people go and they, they start celebrating the victory and they forget what got them the victory in the first place. I said, amen. Here in 1 Kings, we have a story about Elijah, and and you know the story about Elijah. He was a man who prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain for three and a half years, and, and, um, and then he prays again, and it does rain, and this is the latter part of how the rain comes, and uh, it's a great victory that God gives to Elijah, that he had said it's not going to rain uh, again here until the Lord gives me the word, and it didn't rain. 
And as a result, he was, Israel had an ungodly king, Ahab, his ungodly wife, Jezebel. And uh, they were angry with Elijah because of what he had prophesied and because there hadn't been any rain according to the the word of the Lord. And then the Lord uh, told Elijah that it was going to rain again and and, um, in his prayer. uh, And we can pick up here 1 Kings 18. Now I'm going to read from 41. 1 Kings chapter 18. I'm going to read starting from verse 41. I'm in the New Living Translation. Here we go. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go get something to eat and drink for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. Now, when Elijah said that, it had not rained in over three years. And he got this in the spirit. He was saying, in effect, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Think about that. There'd been a drought for three years. And the man of God said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. You can be sitting here tonight just as broke as you want to be. And you could be thinking, I ain't got money to pay my rent. I ain't got money to pay tuition. I ain't got money. You could be singing like somebody said about Ray Charles, the baby need food, the kid need shoes, I'm busted. Cotton down about a quarter of a pound, but I'm busted. I called my brother to see what he could do. He said, I was just thinking about calling on you. My wife and my kids, they all got the flu, I'm busted. You don't want to sing a song like that. (laughs) But you may be feeling busted and broke tonight. But it really doesn't matter if you'll keep God's word and God's promises within your mouth and within your heart. What Elijah said is, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. He, he was saying, I feel the flow of the abundance of money. He was saying, I can feel money's flowing. <laughs> and you know how our Lord is. Listen, oftentimes if we're sensitive and we'll listen, he'll show us things before they happen. I said, Amen. So just because of what it looks like in the natural is not indicative of what it's like in the spirit. And if you'll stick with what God told you in the spirit, hey, he'll bring you through to the victory every single time. And Elijah shouted out, I hear the sound. It hadn't rained in three years. It's a drought. And Elijah said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. And he told Ahab, you better get your chariot together because it's going to rain so hard. The mud is going to gather and you're not going to be able to get back home. You better get the, the royal chariot, get it all geared up and you better hit the road because I hear the sound. Now, there wasn't a cloud in the sky. And I, I like this story because when you read further down, Elijah tells his servant after he says, I hear, he, he repeats what he hears in his spirit. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. He was saying, in effect, I, I hear the sound that my tuition has been paid. Y'all ain't hearing me. He said, I hear the sound that my rent has been paid. He, he was saying, I hear the sound my mortgage been paid off. <laughs> and so, so he told his servant, Elijah did, he said, go over there and look and see if there's any clouds. It had not rained in over three years. He said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. I don't see anything in the sky, but I hear the sound. Go look. And the servant went and looked. He looked, and then he came back to Elijah, and he said, boss, there ain't no rain. There ain't a cloud in the sky. Maybe you missed it. Elijah said, no, no, I didn't miss it. Go on back again. Look again. God told me he was going to pay my tuition. Go back and look again. I can't get no amen out of this crowd. God told me he was going to put bread on the table. Go look again. 
And the servant went and looked again, and he came back and said, boss, there ain't a cloud in the sky. Wrong again. Wrong, wrong again. And Elijah sent him back a third time in this story. He said, go look again. I'm convinced that what he said, he's got the power to bring to pass. If God said it, God will do it. I'm his child, and he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. David said, I was, uh, I was young, but now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken, and I've never seen their seed begging bread. If God said it, hey, my God will do it. God is a provider. God is a door opener. God is a way maker. God will confirm his word. Go look again. And the servant went and looked again. He came back and said, boss, you missed it. Not a cloud in the sky again. Nope, nope, nope. Elijah sent him back six times. Came back and said, nope, no cloud. Elijah said, go look again. I'm convinced that what God told me, he'll bring it to pass. Go back, go back, go back, go back. Look again. And he went and looked again. And when he looked, he said, there is a cloud. It's a tiny cloud. It ain't no abundance of rain cloud, but I mean, it's a cloud. It's, a, it's the size of a man's hand. Elijah said, that's it, that's it, that's it right there. That's my blessing right there. And it wasn't long before that cloud swept in. And just like God had predicted, it began to thunder and rain and the rain began to fall. And the Bible said that Elijah picked up his cloak and tucked it into his belt and the Holy Ghost said, get to running. And God calls that man to outrun the king's chariot. He, he outran the king, a man outran the king's chariot back to town. Won't he do it? I said, God said he will strengthen you. Won't he do it? I said, God said he would open the door for you. Won't he do it? I said, God said he would heal you. Hasn't he already done it? <laughs> he is a mighty good God. It was a great victory. It rained in a mighty thunder. And it was a great victory for Elijah. And on top of that, the strength of the Lord entered him and he outran a team of horses. Yeah. But it wasn't long before Satan tried the old okie doke. Well, stay with me now. Let's go back to the word. We're in 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. And so Jezebel sent this message to Elijah, may the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid. You ought not let anything make you afraid. I said, when, something's, when, when you're afraid of something, that's a signal, that's a sign you need to get in the word. Brother ain't going to get no amen on that. Y'all going to slow me down. I'm trying to get through this message now. When something makes you afraid, that's a signal. You need time in the word on that particular subject. I can't get no amen. I remember when I first started learning about the authority of the believer, and I was a campus minister in Richmond, Virginia, working at Virginia Commonwealth and uh, University of Richmond and uh, Virginia State. 
as campus minister, all three of those schools. And I was living with a, a old godly saint of a woman. And uh, she lived right there in the heart of Richmond in an older part of town. And she'd been so kind to me. And she had a fully furnished basement and apartment. And she let me live down there. Her name was Julia, uh, Miss Julia Neal, never forget her. And, um, and so uh, Julia lived in a part of Richmond. It was a beautiful part of Richmond during the day, but it was a very secluded neighborhood um, at night. It was almost eerie and dark with long overhanging trees and no lights anywhere. And, um, and as Julia shared her story, she had a son who grew up there and uh, he got involved in the occult with some other kids in the neighborhood. And, uh, and, 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 and so I'm not going to all that story, but it was a sad story of how her son got involved in the occult and these demons, you know, caused him to do things and did things in his life that were horrific. And a number of kids, Julia had said from the neighborhood had gotten involved in the occult around there. And many, many bad things had happened through the years. And I'd been out at a student meeting and, uh, and so I got home, nobody was home. Miss Julia wasn't home. And, uh, and I went on down to, to you know, my apartment in the basement. And when I pulled into the neighborhood, I could sense something eerie. And then when I turned into the driveway, it got stronger, but it was just eerie. And it started to make me a little fearful. And it seemed like somebody's right there, some evil presence or something's around me. And I let myself into the house and I started down these steps. She had these steps that went down to the basement apartment. And I started down the steps and fear was on me. And then I remembered, Bill, what are you doing? Don't give place to fear. Jesus has already given you the victory. The devil's afraid of you. You shouldn't be afraid of any devil. Devils fear the name of Jesus. And I'm, down, I'm going down the step and stop. I actually stopped with that thought. What are you doing? Satan is afraid of you. Use your God-given authority. Don't be going down here walking in fear. And I turned around and said, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke every foul devil and spirit. I bind you in the name of Jesus and command you to go. Woo! And a peace hit me and a freedom hit me. And I went on down to my apartment and went to sleep. Glory to God. Never felt that presence again at Miss Julia's house. I said, you have to take authority over the enemy. Jezebel, she scared Elijah. And he took off running. And when people do things motivated by fear, they make bad, listen now, they make bad decisions. Are you with me? Let's go back to the word. Let's go back to the word now. Verse three, uh, first, Sam, uh, first Kings, first Kings 19, verse three. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba a town in Judah. He left his servant there. And then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who went to Ramah. No, I'm sorry, my, my, my bad, my bad. I read that my Bible. You know, my scripture, you know, the scripture get twisted and everything. No, <laughs> listen. <laughs> He gave way to fear. You can't give way to fear. You need to get in the book. 
and, and so if something's making you afraid, you are half court low on the word. You need to get in the word. But the enemy slipped up on his blind side when Jezebel threatened him. And after a great victory, what happened? He suddenly wanted to die. He suddenly was running for his life. He suddenly was running straight out of the will of God. After a huge victory, he got hit by the okie doke. Go real quick with me to Acts 14. The, over in the New Testament, Acts chapter 14. Don't get roped by the okie doke. And Acts chapter 14. <clears throat> I'm going to summarize this story. It's the first missions trip of Paul and Barnabas. They had been sent out in Acts 13, verses uh, 2 through 5. The Holy Ghost sent them on what became the first missions trip. <clears throat> and we get the details in it of the trip in the rest of Acts 13 and Acts 14. And during that trip, a man was healed. You can see that at verse 8, Acts 14, 8. While they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with uh, crippled feet. He had been that way from birth. So he had never walked and he was sitting and listening as Paul preached. <clears throat> Looking straight ahead, Paul realized he had faith to be healed. So Paul called to him in a loud voice, stand up. And the man jumped to his feet and started walking. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in their local dialect. These, men's, these men are gods in human form. They, dis, they decided that Barnabas was the Greek god Zeus and Paul was Hermes since he was the chief speaker. So here in the middle of their campaign, the people are so excited and they believed in idols. That was part of the culture. So they, they said, you, these men must have come from God. They're Greek gods. And they named uh, uh, Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes. And it, they took everything they had to keep these people from sacrificing to them, to keep these people. They said, we are not gods. We are just men. They pointed them to the one true God. It took everything they had to keep those people from worshiping them. And do you know what happens a few verses later? The okie doke. Look, look at verse uh, 19. We're in Acts 14, verse 19. And then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to their side. And they stoned Paul, dragged him out of the town, thinking he was dead. Isn't that something? He went from being called a Greek god to being stoned and left for dead. All in the same chapter. What I'm saying to you is, so many times Satan will try a sneak attack. He'll try what's known as the okie doke. He is a defeated foe. Jesus has snatched victory out of the jaws of defeat for you and I. And Satan is hoping that we will snatch defeat from the jaws of victory that have already been won for you and I. Don't let the enemy get you into snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. Jesus has already snatched victory from the jaws of defeat. And when God gives us a victory, one of the main things we can do is stay in the word. I said, stay in the word. God touched you. God healed you. The same faith it takes to walk in the blessing is the same faith it takes to get the blessing. I wish I had a bigger amen. And there are times when people are healed of the Lord and, and walk in that healed, but they fail to maintain their belief. They fail to maintain their faith. And, and I've seen people lose the beautiful thing that God's already done. 
because they get hit by the okie doke. And one of the most important things you can do is stay in the word. I want to end tonight with a story, a uh, true story. I, I, I had a house one time. We lived on a golf course and the man across the street, uh, he, I mean, he just had a beautiful carpet of a yard, just a carpet, just a, just, you stepped in his yard and your foot went down at least six or eight inches. And it was just a beautiful thick carpet. And I thought my yard was pretty nice and the other neighbors. And, and so um, I bought a golf cart from him. His name was Paul. And uh, <clears throat> when I went over there, I paid him and he gave me the golf cart. And I said, Paul, let me ask you a question. How do you get your yard like this? How do you get your, it's so full, it's so thick. Everybody's got nice yards here, but your yard is a, your yard is a cut above. How do you get your yard like that? He said, he, I still remember, Paul, he chuckled a little bit. He said, oh, Bill. <laughs> He said, I see you boys. He said, I see you guys, the other, you know, you younger guys in the neighborhood. He said, you take care of your yard. You know, you cut your yard. You know, you fertilize your yard. You know, you water your yard. He said, I watch you guys. I chuckle. I chuckle at you. So I'm, he's really got my attention now. And he says, because you're doing the right thing. You're watering your grass and you're fertilizing your grass and you're cutting your grass. He chuckled. <laughs> and then he said, but the key is really to overseed the yard. And I was looking like, huh, what did that mean? And so he said, the key is really, uh, most people don't have enough seed. They don't have the correct amount of seed in their yard. So therefore your yard's too thin. So there's no weeds in your yard, but you've left so much space between the blades that weeds can still get in. So the reason that weeds eventually grow in your yard is because you haven't made it thick enough with the right seed. And he said, every year, once or twice a year, I reseed my whole yard. While y'all are fertilizing and all that, I'm reseeding the yard. Because when I put the right seed in the yard, the bad seed can't get in because there's no room for it. And I said, oh, now I see. And I was walking back to my yard and the Lord said, and that's the same way my word works. So often we need to overseed our mind with the word of God. So often we're not doing what God told Joshua. He said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. God told Joshua, listen, you need to, you need to get, the, get the word on whatever it is, whatever area it is, get the word on that and get that word in your mind, overseed your mind day and night so there's no room for worry. Get your mind filled with the word so there's no room for fear. Get your mind filled with the, with the words. There's no room for doubt and unbelief. I wish I had an amen in here. <laughs> Paul, not knowing it, taught me a spiritual principle that day. And I use that same principle <laughs> right now. <laughs> Overseeding. You also need to make sure you maintain good fellowship. The Bible says this, that be not deceived. Listen, bad company will corrupt good morals. And if God has set you free from something, then you're going to have to maintain a certain circle of company of believers. I wish I had an amen here. Then listen, sometimes we need to maintain accountability with people. It's good to have good accountability. It's good to have good boundaries. First Corinthians 6, 12, uh, 12 through 18. It's good to have good boundaries around you. We need boundaries. We need accountability. Another thing we need is good routines. I'll end on this. We need good routines. David, after maintaining great routines in 2 Samuel chapter 11, he had been king for a long time. He stopped maintaining his routines. 
And at a time, the Bible says, when kings go out to war, he stayed back at the castle. He wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. He wasn't maintaining good routines, good boundaries. Well, I wish I had an amen. It's one thing to get the victory. It's another thing to not let the enemy come in with the okey-doke and sucker punch one of us because we're not maintaining routines. We're not maintaining boundaries. We're not, not maintaining good confessions. We're not maintaining accountability. All of those things go with it. And when we put that all together, we walk in the victory that Christ has already won. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for all of your goodness and grace. And probably all of us can attest to getting hit, getting roped with the okey-doke at some point in our lives. But now, Father, you've called us to a higher level. It's a new day. And Father, Jesus has provided all of the victory. And so we want to walk in the blessing. For some tonight, they've been set free, but they need to maintain better accountability, accountability system. Others may need to have good boundaries, what they watch, what they allow in their home. Still others may need good routines. Others may need to actively seed their mind with the word of God. Keep on every part of the armor to stay alert, to walk in victory. Thank you for all that Christ has done. Thank you for the victory that's been won. Thank you. The price has already been paid. Thank you. Our redemption redemption has been accomplished. Thank you for all of our rights and privileges in Christ. Our redemptive realities. Help us, Father, to walk in the fullness of everything that's been bought and paid for. To not get sucker punched by the okey-doke. Thank you for your word. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for restoring. And so... We just give you all the glory for helping your people tonight to not just gain the victory. Jesus already did that. But once we start walking in it, then to stay in it, we thank you for it. You didn't give us the victory to walk in for a month or two weeks, three days. You gave us the victory to walk in continually. And we thank you. You said, occupy, do business, do my business till I come. (laughs) So help your people tonight. Heal, strengthen, restore, rebuild, forgive, whatever's necessary. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here tonight, you need the Lord. If you're here tonight and you need the Lord, if, you, if you're here and you've never been saved, or if you don't know what, what, hap, what would happen to you tonight if you were to die, and you'd like prayer, would you lift your hand really quick? If you're here tonight and you want prayer, help me usher. Anybody here and you, you say, I'm not saved, I've never been saved? Or you say, I don't know what would happen if I die. Or you say, I'm not living right. The enemy has hit me with the okie doke I'm not living right. I want to get it right. Is anybody here like that? Is anybody like that? Our prayer partners are coming now, our prayer team. And if you need prayer for anything tonight, you want somebody to agree with you, then come on down here and they will pray with you. And you won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name. And um, so ladies, just come to the ladies. Guys, just come to the guys. Whatever you need, anything you need, prayer-wise, come on forward, and they will minister to you. You won't leave here like you came. All right. 
Well, uh, stand up on your feet, saints of God. Thank you uh, for being here, for being so attentive, so easy to minister to. And uh, don't get hit. Don't get roped by the okie doke. Remember to pray for the Hakens this week, and we'll see you right here Wednesday, Hour of Power. God bless you one and all.